The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Yes, welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We would love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, We Are In This Together. It has been said that nobody can do our inner work for us, but we cannot do it alone. We need the company of others on the recovery path in order to truly thrive. This can be challenging to many who are new to addiction recovery because we can be used to doing things our way. But if we're willing to become one of the bunch, we will discover the group to be a profound healing influence. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on finding a path to connection through the power of unity, specifically the recovery community. Yes, we want to share with you today what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with the spiritual tools or principles that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from that experience of separation to connection through the principle of the power, sorry, the power of community. Yeah, you know what I jotted down first is uh, we talk about this a lot, and we do talk about it a lot, but that's because it's so central uh, to my experience, and the more, you know, drunks I know and talk to, I hear over and over, I'm definitely not unique in any way in this kind of, you know, isolated way of being in the world uh, as being uncommon it it is common and it was sort of what my whole life was like and i know that in a way we started to joke about it a little bit which is probably good so what do we do we we get on here to share our experience strength and hope but first we talk about i talk about what a chump i was you know in the past (laughs) which is you know i have mixed feelings about that i have to say but we talk a lot about feeling separate 
Yeah. And again, because it's such a strong factor in my own addiction story and recovery. So mainly for me, uh, it meant feeling like that I had to solve every problem or face every challenge literally alone. Like I didn't even want other people to know that I was having a challenge, let alone ask for help. You know, that's the last thing I wanted to do was ask for help. And so, you know, I developed a lot of powerful skills for learning and doing things, but and that'll only get you so far, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of out of balance in that way. Yeah. I got a lot of observation, problem-solving skills, but I didn't have any connection, community kinds of skills. And, and that uh, turned around, of course, to bite me in the butt, as we say, <laughs> with addiction, because that was a real weakness for me early on. Yeah. You know, we were talking before the show about, you said you had read or seen somewhere that um, the theory that, that that lack of connection or feeling separate might be one of the common factors yeah. or among causes addicts. even they were causes, saying I don't yeah. know if that's true. Yeah, and so because so many people share that in meetings and I know I definitely uh relate to that experience of somehow being in a room of people or being in a group of people but feeling somehow separate. Like I'm I'm there but I'm not really a part of or I'm it's hard to describe if you haven't experienced that, but it's sort of like always feeling like you're on the outside, you know, and that may be um, one of the uh, common traits that addicts have. Maybe one of the things that we used over was that's a painful feeling, you know, that inability to feel connected to others. Um, And, and I think that human beings need connection inherently as human beings, you know, we need to be connected to others evolutionary wise for our survival. And, and that's just how we are as social, you know, primates or whatever we are. Uh, and so <laughs> <laughs> we're just primates pretty much. Yeah. like to remind myself of that every now and then. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that experience that seems to be very common to so many of us of somehow feeling separate. Um, I know for myself, there's also that terminal uniqueness kind of experience you know um nobody else has that no no one else has that and I'm totally different than all of you so (laughs) you can't possibly understand and um and to compound that I was an only child and my parents divorced when I was two and I grew up with a single you know full-time working mother so I was literally alone a lot of the time And so that's my comfort zone, you know, is to be alone. And of course, as an only child, I had to learn to do things myself and I did learn to do things myself. So um, that can be good because people have always said to me, you know, you're so independent, but it also, it's like an overcompensation thing, right? You know, then it becomes too much. It's like, then I, I only know how to be independent. Learning to be interdependent is a whole other ballgame. You know, that's been my experience as well is that, you know, and we do talk a lot about it again because it's so important is balance, right? We, I feel like I, I was so out of balance yeah. that I was vulnerable to things, something like addiction. Um, yes. You know, that's my own. I made that up. I'm, I'm not saying that's like a, some truth that came down from on high or some scientist said it or whatever, um, but that was just sort of my uh, experience in it. And um, the other side of it is, 
like you were saying, your, your friends commenting about how uh, on uh, on you are in that way. We we do develop. I I develop very strong skills in my yeah. isolation. So anything to do with problem solving, uh, with being isolated, with finding information, with getting uh, getting by on my own. I'm yeah. really, really, really good at that. The yeah. thing is, I don't need to be this good at it. What yeah. I need to be is balanced. Right. Now, I still uh, am grateful for the skills that I have. Um, but I feel that it's, at, you know, I, I need to spend the rest of my life coming into balance. Yeah. Right. I talked before about the possibility of, say, pursuing uh, more education, you know, PhD level education. And there's a part of me that would really love to do that. But what really the deciding point was when I realized I don't need to spend any more time in the world of ideas and academics. <laughs> I, I live there, there. <laughs> for almost my whole life. Yeah. yeah. I need my energy. I, it needs to go into community and connection for the rest of my life. And, and, and it's great. I mean, I think that that is right. You say go with your strengths, but another way to look at it is get in balance. Yes. You know, it was making me think about um, attachment theory is, I guess, kind of one of the new things in, um, you know, psychology and counseling approaches and such is, is how we attach to our primary caregivers as, as infants and as children. And then how that method of it, you know, that level of attachment or method of attachment plays out as adults. So in so many ways, I can see where I'm like extremes. So I either want to be totally independent or when I'm, you know, when I'm connected with somebody, then I become more dependent you know it's like it's mm -hmm. all or nothing and so like you were talking about being in that in-between place of being independent but also interdependent and connected with others that's that's the hard thing you know addicts we love to be you know all one way or all the other way so to be um to be both independent and solid on my own but also be able to be connected to others that can be a challenging thing for me um, so definitely my comfort zone is to be independent and, um, you know, a lot of my drinking behavior just exacerbated that, right? I think I've shared before that I, I was pretty, uh, obsessive in my early sobriety about house cleaning and used to spend a full day of every weekend cleaning my tiny little apartment from top to bottom. I mean, it was me and one cat. How dirty could it get? <laughs> right. But it was literally, and I don't want to toss around the term OCD because I know there are folks that really, you know, struggle, struggle with that in terms of not even, you know, not being able to function. And so I, I don't want to toss that around, but it was pretty obsessive. And and so, you know, I would hear about things on Monday at school, because I was in graduate school at the time, I would hear about stuff that folks had done over the weekend. And it was like, wow, you guys did all that on Saturday? I, I was realizing that, well, I didn't realize until much later, that I was always saying no to those things because I had to clean my house from top to bottom. I mean, it made no sense. Yeah. And so I don't know if that was just a way of taking myself out of those things, or I just didn't know how to be part of what they were doing. And then there was also, of course, the issue that if what they were doing didn't involve the opportunity to drink, then I was not very interested in it either. So I was always down at happy hour on, you know, Friday afternoon, but 
what I'm saying is the drinking isolates us more, you know, or using or whatever our addiction is can, can isolate us even more because we turn down opportunities for connection in order to engage in our addiction. And that was certainly something that I did. And I didn't realize until many years later how much I missed out on during that time that I was always choosing my addiction over opportunities to make those connections and make those, um, those relationships. In a way, when I'm out of balance, it's easier to get more out of balance than it is to get mm-hmm. balanced. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about that. And Reverend Lonnie used to say, she had heard this from a sponsor of hers, that de- her definition of balance was balance is that midpoint that I go flying past on my way from one extreme <laughs> to the other. I'm like, oh, that, that blurry thing in the middle that looks boring. <laughs> yeah, so there boring. Yep. And I I can definitely relate to that um, definition of balance. And, you know, it has been quite a challenge um, becoming more balanced. I I don't know how to characterize it other than, and we'll talk about this later, about just being willing to show up. You know, for example, it's, it's not one thing. You know, I think in a way I wanted one big thing to resolve this, uh, what I considered a problem, my addiction, I no longer consider it a problem. Um, but I used to, it is an opportunity in a way now. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's any less uh, of a threat. I, I remember what it was like yeah. and I'm, I'm not going back there. I'm not, right. I'm not sitting here like talking myself into drinking again. But I have spent years getting to a balance point, and it's easier to stay in balance when I am in balance. Yes. It's been hard to get here, though. Yeah. But we've talked a lot about this challenge of separation, and it's time to move out of the problem and into the solution. So what are we proposing today as the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles, and the spiritual principle that we have found helpful in moving out of separation and into connection is what we are calling the power of unity or community. And ironically, that's the name of our spiritual movement is unity, and the word (laughs) community contains the word unity. So whatever it is anywhere in there, that's the kind of stuff that we're pointing at. You know, it has to do with other people. But we might ask, what does this look like if I'm new to recovery? Does this just mean go to meetings? Is that what you're – you're just trying to find another way to tell me to go to meetings like everyone (laughs) won't shut up uh, that I should go to meetings? I know. I go, I can, I know, I heard it. Uh, is there more to it than that? What is the deal with this? Well, I mean, meetings is where the recovery happens, right? So there's really no way around that. You know, that's, that's the primary place that the 12 step program happens. So yes, go to meetings. Absolutely. Um, but it's not just about going to meetings. You know, this is about what we've sort of been hinting at, that we were out of balance, you know, and, and this is a shift um, to, to opening ourselves up to others. And it begins with sharing our stories in meetings, you know, um, opening up little by little, we learn to open up. But it's not just sharing our own story, because sometimes we can be really good about that. I love to talk about myself. I could do that all day long. Listening to others, 
you know, and really listening. Um, and and allowing other people's experiences and stories to touch us and to begin to inform us. That was a whole because I think some of this happens naturally within a, a more structured family unit that I did not have. So for me, you know, not having siblings, I didn't I who was I gonna learn from? I was, you know, learning from either, you know, my mother who was, you know, working full time or whatever, or babysitter or whatever, but I, I wasn't learning from those around me, except of course in school, but I'm talking about home life predominantly, you know, um, I didn't, it was new to me, this idea of listening to what others had to say and that they, their ideas might have some bearing on my own life. That was new to me because I had forged this personality where I knew best. I knew what to do. I could handle it by myself and I didn't need any of you. And why would I need you anyway? Because what you had to say did not pertain to me because I was terminally unique, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So listening that, that whole process that, you know, people tell us go to meetings and just listen for the ways that you relate. Right. Isn't that what every sponsor tells their sponsee? Just listen, you know, you might, the person might be a different color, different, you know, walk of life, different gender, different everything from you. It doesn't matter. Listen for the commonalities. Listen for the part of their story that you resonate with, that you relate to. And that's how we begin to make those connections. Um, And that's a really cool thing that starts to happen in the 12-step programs is that we do go to meetings and listen to others. And we find these commonalities with people that we would never otherwise really even um, interact with in our lives, you know, that come from completely different sectors of the community or walks of life than we do. And yet we find these common experiences. And I think that's the beginning of healing that terminal uniqueness and that, that, uh, isolation, that separation that we experienced is like, wow, this person that doesn't look like me or act like me or live like me is saying something that is really resonating within me. And it starts to break down that barrier. We start to have these connections with people. So yes, go to meetings because that's where the action is happening, really. That's where we learn. You know, we pra- meetings are a place for us to learn and practice. And then, of course, we don't live our lives in meetings. We go out into the rest of the world, but we practice it in the meetings. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And as you shared your growing up experience, uh, I had the exact same thoughts and experience and I had siblings so I'm not sure about that because you're describing that I mean like yeah that is exactly my thought process yeah and what and what yeah and what do I need to hear what you have to say for I already know yeah was sort of me so maybe it's more of a personality trait than anything Uh, yeah I mean I was definitely had that self-centeredness you know which and we talk a lot about how spiritual principles any kind of tool including spiritual principles can be used in a skillful manner and it can be used in an unskillful manner like for example i was joking with you the other day about this uh, i can use my divine power of imagination to make everything all about me (laughs) (laughs) that's that's an unskillful use of the power of imagination but i'll tell you what i have done that and i know others who have done it as well and so um, it, I, I like what you're saying about meetings because meetings, it's almost like we're, we're all have a lot of rough and sharp edges and meetings where we go to bump in 
to each other so that we all get smoothed out over time. And what I know can happen is uh, meetings can be so frustrating. If I, you know, I had a decent amount of tolerance for, you know, other people just being other people. Uh, but I, I know people that really couldn't abide, that wouldn't go to meetings because other people were too annoying. And <laughs> that's the whole part. That's one of the main reasons to go back is because people are annoying, <laughs> which means if someone is annoying to me, what that's doing is it's showing me something in myself yeah. that needs some healing attention. That's right. And that, that can be a very hard thing to deal with and uh, a difficult place to come to uh, in life. But anyway, I'm grateful that I did. And, you know, if, if I'm in, in a recovery group scenario and I'm feeling frustrated or irritated, that's not a problem. That means that the healing is happening or the, at least the opportunity for healing is happening. Yeah. And like you said, just listening to others for points of connection. I always loved that too. That whole shipwreck survivor thing, you know, from the literature. Yeah. Uh, man, is that not, not only is it absolutely true, it's wonderful in a way to, to know people from all over town. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's pretty cool. Every, every vocation, every socioeconomic class, political yep. orientation, whatever, all the way across the board on every facet uh, we are all mixing together and we are all getting along well enough at least yeah. uh, because we are focused on, we know our, our first tradition, you know, unity, yeah. our sobriety is dependent on our unity. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a pretty cool deal when you think about it. And yeah, other folks are annoying. I'm probably annoying to other folks, but you know what? They're also endlessly entertaining. I mean, I always say this, AA or, you know, my experiences with AA, but I'm sure all 12-step groups are like this, is the best show on earth, you know, for a buck, although I guess it's probably more like three or four bucks now, but we used to always say for a buck, you know, you get the best show on earth and you really, you really get such a, um, such a bird's eye view into human nature and you get to hear these incredible stories of things that people go through and, you know, some of it's, crap it's not all good you know but there's a lot of good stuff to be heard in there and for me it's sort of like it was a collective thing over time you know just sitting my behind in those chairs you know day after day and week after week month after month and and there's like a collective it's not collective a cumulative thing that happens where um we just, we learn, we learn from that sharing, from listening to other people's stories. And it doesn't mean that everything that everybody else shares is spot on or that they're right. Or sometimes people are full of beans, you know, they are, but, but we can begin to discern that, you know, it's not that we just, uh, you know, mindlessly accept everything that everyone else says. There has to be some discernment there. Um, but we learn, we learn from the stories that we hear. I mean, when I think of the, you know, who I am today, a big part of it is this accumulation of human behavioral knowledge and understanding that I've gained from years and years of 12-step meetings. You know, you just really, you really get to learn a lot and, um, and get real insights, you know. And so what happens, what happened for me was over time, 
there were folks that I related to more, um, pretty much always women. I um, early on began to stick almost predominantly to women's meetings um, that I started to watch. I started to say, okay, that person is someone that maybe I might like to emulate or that I might like to learn from. And I started to watch how they lived their life. And if you keep going to meetings, you know, I would watch that person go through a breakup or go through the loss of a job or go through their parents dying or whatever it was. And I watched how they handled it, you know, that's the awesome thing about people coming in and sharing what's really going on in their lives was over time, I watched people walk through these things so that when inevitably those things happened to me or something similar happened to me, not only did I have some sense of how I might walk through it, but I knew that walking through it was possible because I'd watched someone else do it, you know, and I'd watched them use the tools of the program to get through it. And I watched them survive and go on to live, you know, a happy, valuable life, despite all these things having happened. And, you know, when, then when I would have something horrible like that happen, I would literally say, okay, so-and-so went through this and they survived. So I can too. Yeah. You know, it's and great that's to, how it helped me. It's great to have so much experience. And, and we use yeah. that exact phrase and we use it every time on the show, experience, right. strength, and hope yeah. for where, where else are you going to go and sit down and hear people talk about what is really going on yeah. with them. I had heard someone say, and I totally have found this to be true as well, that recovery people, one thing we can do is we can get real, real fast. And in fact, I have to, if someone asks me how I'm doing, I have to think about who am I talking to? Yeah. Am I talking to a recovery person? Because I'll tell you. How <laughs> but if someone who's not in recovery, I have to just be careful. That's not what they're asking. Right. <laughs> And so I have to answer as appropriate, but I have learned to get real, real fast mm -hmm. when at first I was anything, but I did not have that skill, let alone do it quickly. Yeah. You know, but we learned to, as my firewalking instructor said, I tell the truth and I tell it quickly <laughs> as, as just a spiritual life principle. Oh, and I have I had to learn to do that. And I've learned it through being around other people who are also doing it. Yeah. Yeah, we can gain so much from other people's experience. And the thing about people in the 12 step meetings is they're not only they're not only going through things that we all inevitably go through, but they're they're doing their darndest to move through them with spiritual integrity. And Absolutely. that's the part that I watch how they and they're being that. they're being honest for the most part about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, most people in most meetings, very honest. Well, let's hold that thought because it is time for a short break. It is time, right? And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. We hope that you'll please stay with us. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. 
welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with Reverend co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback, uh, your show scores, anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing that experience of separation, of feeling terminally unique and somehow not connected to others. And then we talked a little bit about um, what community is like in the 12-step groups and why it's so important. So we're going to continue with this discussion now, talking about how um, our experience of community or joining in that community helped us move into more connection in our lives. And they're almost synonymous for me. I mean, in a way, I feel like I want to talk about, so who cares about connection? Because I know pre-recovery, I probably felt that way. Like, what do I need that for? And what I have found is that, you know, I I am a human being and we are social creatures. And um, as we'd shared in the opening, I know that nobody can do my inner work for me. Right. But it's equally true that I cannot do it alone. Yeah. I really can't. And so I had the do it alone part down. <laughs> I just didn't have the not do it alone part down. So one thing that immediately comes to mind, is how did being part of the community help me uh, move out of separation into connection, is that I learned to share with others what was going on with me. So yeah. before the break, I was talking about how uh, – Uh, we in recovery seem to have this ability to get real, real fast about what's going on because we have practiced it a lot. And I first practiced it silently by listening to other people get right to the point, not dance around it, not pretend I'm okay if I'm not okay. Just say what is actually going on, no matter who cares how it lands, you know, That, that's one of the beautiful things about a healthy recovery group is we're not trying to impress each other. You know, we are there to tell the truth and to hear the truth from others right. about what's going on. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is that straight up learning to share with others what was going on with me, which I would never wanted to do ever. That was not something I wanted to do. No, of course not. And they say that it's when we most don't want to that we most need to, right? Yes. <laughs> when you don't want to go and share what's going on is when um, is when it's most important to do so. Um, you know, I wanted to get back to that experience that I had of just feeling like I wasn't a part of things. Um, I can still have that experience today. I think it's just something that I'm still, you know, working with. Um, of being in a group of people, but feeling like they're all connected to one another and I'm sort of on the periphery. And, uh, you know, so that still can be my experience to a certain extent, but um, the 12-step recovery process helped me a lot with that because the openness and the welcoming that you typically get in a 12-step group is just like nothing else on the planet, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it gave me something to belong to and feel a part of, you know, and it is sort of clubby, right? Like we have all these things, you know, these sort of inside jokes and inside sayings and, 
um, you know, it does have that aspect to it, but that I think that's part of what begins to heal that terminal uniqueness. It's what begins to heal that separation. It's like, you know, maybe some people maybe were part of many things before in their life, and there may be some folks that were never part of anything. But when you come into the 12 step program, you get to be part of something, you know, you get to learn the language and the lingo and the sayings and the customs and the traditions. It's like a whole culture, right? It's really like going into another country and becoming part of the culture. And, um, and that can be, that can begin to heal that a little bit to have that experience of being part of something. And of course, you know, everyone doesn't have to get super, super involved. I mean, there's no rules about how involved you have to get. You can get as involved as you want to. But if you want to, there's so much to um, get involved in in 12-step programs, you know. I'm assuming that they're all fairly similar. My experiences with AA, but, you know, we had all kinds of um, events and, you know, dances and conferences and banquets and barbecues and um, like I say, you don't have to get involved in all of that. And I certainly didn't do all of it, but I did do some of it. And the, the thing is, is to be surrounded by folks who are trying to live the same kind of life. And depending on how structured around, you know, using your particular substance of choice, depending on how structured your life is around that, it can be really important to find a group of people that are not doing that anymore, right? Like if all your friends are your drinking buddies and you get sober, you're going to need some sober people to hang out with, <laughs> you know? And um, we've talked before on the program about the meeting after the meeting. I mean, those are some of the best times in my life or after my women's group on Friday night, you know, down at Denny's until like two in the morning, just laughing our butts off, just there's just a camaraderie and a connection that I haven't really experienced in other places. And part of it comes with time of just sitting in that Friday night meeting every week for months and months and then years and years. And maybe I don't even hang out with these people outside of the meeting, but I've watched them walk through so many things. I've watched them go through so many things in their life that there's that connection there. There's a level on which we connect. And um, I found all of that to be very healing and very helpful when learning to live a sober life. You know, the groups that I've been a part of, especially the my um, second main group, which had been my home group, also did a lot of holidays. I mean, you guaranteed on July 4th that there is a sober barbecue going on outside and they might yeah. do, you know, a dance for no reason, no particular holiday. But one thing that I thought was super helpful and always appreciated was we would do holiday marathons. Oh, yeah. So normally, you know, I lived in a smaller town, and so this group met, you know, maybe six times a week, you know, never on Monday. Tuesday through, there were two on Friday. There was a Sunday morning. And, um, but at holidays, there would be meetings from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Right. every even hour, 8. 10, 12, 2. And of course, there's a sign up sheet to chair such a meeting. And what a wonderful yep. thing to have available and to be a part of um, because holidays can be particularly stressful for us in recovery. Yes. You know, we've heard that, that addiction recovery is a 
It's a trifold deal, mind, body, and spirit. And I've also heard it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's Eve mm-hmm. are the the tries of the trifold thing. If you can make it through Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's Eve, uh, you're doing pretty well. You'll yeah. probably make it through St. Patrick's Day, too. <laughs> oh, but, but the green the, beer. <laughs> yeah, but the community, you know, was... I don't know. I would use the word mindful, like had stuff to do that people wanted to do and people were willing to organize it and pitch in. And can you bring some, some drinks, you know, go to Walmart and get some sodas or, you know, I'll bring, I'll bring cookies or whatever it is. You know, someone's bringing a grill and bring your own meat or I don't even know what, you know, we'd have sign up sheets for things, but what a, what a wonderful, it is like another world. It is like another culture but it's a very healing kind of culture. I found it to be. And yeah. everyone is welcome. Yes. That's a big, big deal because there aren't many places where everyone is welcome. That's true. There really aren't. I mean, some churches, yes, and that is the idea uh, behind, especially, you know, I the, the tradition I know is the Christian tradition. That's the idea is that every, it's, it's open to everyone. You don't have yeah. to pass a test or be yeah. from a certain place or whatever to participate in the Christian spiritual path. Anyone can do it. And right. so it has that going for it as well. Um, but I, I have found recovery groups to be even more open, yeah. less judgmental, more open in yeah. general to understanding that, hey, man, everyone is coming from a different place. We're all struggling. Let's just all get together and do the best we can. And, and don't worry about what that person's doing or not doing unless they're literally being disruptive it's none of my business yeah whether they're working their steps or not whatever my you know i'd love to take my attention off of myself by focusing <laughs> on what someone else is not doing right okay well that's none of my business yeah 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 it's like the meetings are like the great leveler you know it doesn't matter who you are or what walk of life you come from you know i in early sobriety i had become a college instructor and you know had this sort of job with authority and you know wore a suit to work and all that kind of thing but then after but then in the evening when i went to my meetings i could just be michelle i didn't have to be you know, Ms. Jalinch or whatever. I could just be, just be a person among people, you know, like we talk about and didn't have to be a big shot and, and needed to not be a big shot, really. <laughs> you know, it can be a really good place to learn that too, to learn how to not be the one in charge or learn how to not be the authority because there is no authority in 12-step groups. That's a really cool thing too, you know. Um, some of us have you know, maybe the habit of being the one in charge or being the mouthpiece for the group or whatever. And in, in 12 step groups, there's no hierarchy. You, you know, you're just, you're just whoever you are, you're just one of the bunch. And that, that can be a very um, good experience to have and to learn from too. And I was thinking about how service is such a big part of how we become part of the community in 12 step groups. And again, it's, um, there's a humility in service too. Like, you know, you might be the CEO of a company or you might be a college professor or whatever, but when you come to the group, you're the coffee maker, man. You know, (laughs) you're just, you're the chair setter upper, you know? And so there's that humility and that ability to just do a job that needs to be done. 
And you don't have to be the smartest one or the best one or whatever. Anybody can put out chairs. Anybody can make coffee. Anybody can set up the literature, you know. And and so um, that's one way that we learn to just be part of the group is by doing these these small jobs that are not hard to do but are so important to the group. I mean, who's more important than the coffee person, you know? When that meeting's over and everybody wants their coffee, you know, you're, you're pretty important. So um, it's, you know... Being being of service and getting involved in that way really helped me feel like I was part of the group and like I was contributing something. It it's hard to explain, but it is definitely part of our recovery process is getting involved in service in some way. And we don't have to be, you know, Mr. or Mrs. AA or whatever. We don't have to, you know, do everything. Like I said, it can be about a very small part but doing that part with integrity showing up every week and making the coffee or whatever it is it's a really important part of being part of the group i love that phrase one of the bunch that that sums up um what is a goal you know uh, many of us go in with the inflated sense of self you know a certain amount of (laughs) arrogance and and disconnection you know, I have to be disconnected if I'm if I lack humility, which means I'm arrogant. I have to be disconnected to a certain degree for that to even be possible yes. for that to happen. Yeah. And the more I get connected, the more opportunity I have for um, to come into balance and to gain some humility and to lose some arrogance over time. Uh, one thing I learned in a group was learning how to share without an agenda, Mm. right? Because I was very nervous to talk uh, in general. And at some meetings, we would go around the room. Oh, I hated that. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like um, um, maybe a a book study, you know, someone will read a couple sentences or whatever. There were some that uh, at my home group, the speaker called on people. Mm. You didn't raise your hand. The speaker called on you. Yeah. And you didn't have to share, and I know that. Right. And it was perfectly acceptable to say, that, you know, hi, everybody, my name is Dan B. I'm just going to listen. And yeah. everyone say, thank you. Anyway, nothing at all wrong with that. But when I did share, I found it difficult because I didn't, I was, I was totally not, not in my element. Like, what am I saying? Why am I saying it? Am I, you know, do I need to be funny? Yeah. You know, what, like, what is going on? It was, I found it. Um, difficult to do, but just by repetition, mm-hmm. you know, I got more used to it and um, learned over time how to share what was going on without an agenda. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to make a point. I'm not trying to teach you something. I'm not trying to, you know, illustrate a particular message. I'm just sharing what's going on with me, period, the end. That took a long time for me to learn. Yeah, you know, what's really cool about the way we share in meetings, and I'm assuming this is true universally, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's no crosstalk. So when you share what you share, you're not going to get people saying, you know, they're not going to refer back to what you said in their share. They're not going to tell you what you should do or, you know, um, they're not going to refer to what you said in any way. And where else 
in this life do you get an opportunity to Nowhere. share what you need to share and you know that you're not going to get advice, response, feedback, comments, criticism, nothing, you know. Nowhere, yep. And that's a really that's like this safety that we create in meetings so that people can just share what they want and um you know and have that healing experience of just being heard by the group without you know, without feedback of any kind. Now you can ask for feedback. You people might, you know, come up and talk to you afterwards, but you're not going to get, um, it's a way of protecting our shares, you know, so that we can be open and honest. And I think it's pretty cool. So yes, we do learn over time how to, you know, and it's like, it's like basically the more honesty you share with, the more you're going to get out of it, right? Yeah, you want to go absolutely. in there and sound good? Okay, you can do that. It's your prerogative to, you know, sound, try to sound good or try to sound like you, but then you're not going to get as much benefit. So it's just like anything. You get out of it what you put into it. The more integrity and honesty you share with, the more you are going to benefit from having shared that. And it's just such a cool thing. It's just such a cool process, this group process and this experience of being a part of a group and um and there's just a healing that just happens through the group i don't know how it works it's some sort of magic you know where these people just get together and share what's going on and heal together and and you know without the difference in in 12 step groups is that there's no leader right there's no you know trained professional that's leading the group there's no counselor there's no psychologist we're all just average Joes, you know, we're yeah. all equal in the group. And that provides a safety too, because you're not sharing like you would when you go to a psychologist or something, you know, their job is to give you feedback, but there's that safety that you can just share. And, I like that. And you know, yeah. the op the other side of what I was saying a minute ago about learning how to share without an agenda is I learned to listen to other people without feeling the need to reply, like uh, to either refute, you know, yeah, but yes. none of that. And also what you described, what we generally call fixing, right? No fixing right. behavior, because that is, um, that is detrimental, you know, at, at a minimum fixing behavior is detrimental to spiritual growth. Yeah. It, um, it stunts it. It's not helpful right. at all. And even to this day, you know, my sponsor who's got decades, if I am sharing a difficulty that I'm having, he will ask me, are you looking for a suggestion? Oh, that's awesome. And if I say yes, then he'll offer a suggestion. If I say no, he will not yeah. offer a suggestion. That's a and he might sponsor. not even say that, but what he's never going to do is start giving me advice yeah. unsolicited. Yeah. I didn't ask. I didn't even say it was okay when you asked. That is not going to happen. That's the worst. Yeah. You know, and and uh, I learned in in recovery circles about how to how to be a you know a good listener, a non what do we say? Just a in ministry, a non anxious presence. Yeah. It's part of it. A uh, active listening where yeah. I'm not trying to think of what to say next. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this level of listening that's really just um, waiting to talk 
and not really listening. But yeah. in, in a recovery group, we have a real opportunity. Now, we don't have to. You can still do that. But there's a true opportunity to practice just listening and basically being a witness to someone else's experience that they're sharing. And that's enough right there. Done. Yeah. I don't have yeah. to do anything. I don't need to fix them. Nothing has to happen. Yeah. And that's weird because in a society where it seems like something has to happen, right? Yeah. Some action has to be taken, solution offered, something fixed. Anyway, I found it uh, quite refreshing. And that no crosstalk thing, is that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. You don't share something and then I'm responding to you. Oh, when that happened to me, here's what I did. None of that. Yeah. Yeah, you know that you really hit it on the head when you said that being a witness to others experiences and I think that that's the most healing thing about the program is what I'm thinking now is um, we learned in seminary when we were studying counseling theory that, you know, it's the it's the act of being present to someone sharing what they're going through. It's not about what modalities or techniques or strategies you use to respond to them. Those things can vary, but depending on, you know, what type of counseling you're doing, but it's the fact of you being there present with the person and hearing their pain, their joy, their difficulty, whatever it is, being that witness to them, that's where the healing happens. Yeah. You know, and in these 12 step meetings, we we get a whole bunch of people witnessing um, our experience. And I think that that's that's the healing. It you is know, like you said, the listening and and in the meetings, people will laugh with you. They'll cry with you. They'll you know, that's that's how we heal, I think. I agree. And and I remember from that counseling it all. It's all Carl Rogers, right? That's yes. Resilient. Yes. A theory is if you you just create the environment you you know you plant the seed and water it, yeah, and then just get out of the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. we have said a whole lot once again. Believe it or not, we've said a whole <laughs> lot about this topic. So we're going to try and step back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum all this up. And we usually do this by you know bringing from memory a question. Maybe it's a question I've actually asked, or maybe I've heard it asked. Um, but today's question is, uh, if someone came to you, Reverend Michelle, and asked, you know, in, give me a one minute on, uh, I'm not a joiner. You know, I don't really even like this idea of having to be part of this group. I'm not a joiner, so how am I going to find connection so that I can recover? Well, I've heard people that are very connected in the group that actually are joiners <laughs> talk about how they weren't joiners. So, you know, that's an experience that a lot of folks have too. But what I want to say is that you are not required to do anything. You know, there's nothing, this is completely voluntary. You know, you show up on your own terms. And all I can say is that there is a certain amount of joining that really needs to happen if you're going to get the benefit of the program, you know, but, but there's no, there's nothing that you have to do. You don't have to go to any barbecues. You don't have to, you know, and so whatever you do, you're doing of your own free will and you do it as, but, but that doesn't, if you want to recover, you got to get out of your comfort zone to a certain extent. So I would say just keep suiting up and showing up and um, more will be revealed. Showing up, I think is the thing because um, that's really all I needed to do was show up. Yeah. Like you said, I don't have to sign up for anything. In fact, I don't even have to talk to anyone. Right. I can show up maybe right close to right when the meeting begins. So 
no one will try and talk to me. I can sit in the back <laughs> and say nothing. And then I can stand up at the end and leave and say nothing. And I'm still doing what I need to do. Yeah. That's completely acceptable. You could do that for a year. And if do. you're showing up, then you're on the path. You don't have to join anything. Nope. You really don't. And I'm glad that you said that. It is completely voluntary. So just just be willing to show up. That's yep. all you need to do. The rest of it, you know, where it's all going, don't worry. You know, we don't know exactly. where it's going either. You'll discover it for yourself over time. Yeah. But you don't have to be a joiner. But you do have to be willing to show up. And that's it. You don't have to talk to anyone. I heard someone refer to that as learning the program through osmosis. Yes. Right? I just sit I just seat. sit there and it seeps up into me magically. It's true. It really does. One day at a time, stringing a whole bunch of them together. Well, it's that time in our program when we like to have an affirmation for you. And so our affirmation today is as I listen to and share with others, I experience positive, supportive, loving connection. And once again, as I listen to and share with others, I experience positive, supportive, and loving connection. And that is a healing thing. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful if you've made it this far to hear me saying <laughs> that. We hope that you found something in all of our clacking today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. Thank you. Uh, Michelle, as always, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, as always, if you'd like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, throughout the week and drop us your thoughts and comments and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.